Please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Remember again, we're looking at the subject, Rest for the Weary. And uh, these are some of the most comforting scriptures in the Bible. And uh, Jesus is speaking. Let me begin just by reading three verses. Verses 28, 29, and 30 of Matthew 11. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. I want you to notice that word rest comes up twice. It's at the end of verse 28, and it's at the end of verse 29, and it's a rest that God wants us to continue in. Amen? We'll talk about that today. He says, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Remember last week, I'm just trying to <laughs> determine how much, of, how much of a recap I want to do. Remember last week we looked at Psalm 23. We looked at a lot of things, but we looked at Psalm 23 in particular uh, with regard to Jesus saying, come to me. And we looked at the fact that that Psalm talks to us about the Lord being our shepherd. Amen? And he says, I shall not want, or I shall not be in want. Verse 2, it says, he... That's why Jesus says, come to me. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4 says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 5 says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I love verse 6, I have to read it. It says, surely goodness and mercy, surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't want to preach on all this again, <laughs> so I'm trying to skip over it as quick as I can. But I want you to notice the number of times it talks about the Lord. That's where our comfort is. That's where our peace is. That's who leads us. That's who guides us. That's who loves us. Amen? And that's really what I want you to receive today and from, this, from these messages, that the Lord loves you. And he's saying, listen, I want you to come to me. And then he said, all you who labor and are heavy laden, he says, I'm the one that has the rest that you need. Amen? And family, I just really feel like, you know, sometimes we fight. We're fighting so hard, sometimes we, we, we neglect rest. We forget to rest. Who knows what I'm talking about? You know? <laughs> okay. And, uh, and you need that rest in order to get ready for the fight, in order to renew your strength, in order to get re-centered. Sometimes I think we are so busy doing stuff that we forget why we're doing it, and then we lose track, and then we get sidetracked, and we're somewhere else at the end and go, what happened? And we really need to be careful. And that's the reason why, you know, one of, these, one of the things that this brings out is spending time with the Lord, that one-to-one -one time with the Lord. Amen? That you just have that time that He just talks to you. You know, it's warm and fuzzy and snuggly and wonderful. <laughs> okay? It's, it's, it's one of those things that you just have this rest in your soul. You have this warmth on the inside of you. God just says, I'm with you. I'm there. I'm looking after you. And you need that, family. You need that in, in, a, in a world that has so much going wrong right now. 
we need to know on the inside that greater is he that is in us than everything that's going wrong in the world on the outside. You, you really need to know that. Amen? We need that revelation. And so we, we looked at um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and we looked at the fact that this does not contradict that scripture when it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now remember that the verb rest again seems not to imply the rest that is complete cessation from labor, which is made clear when Jesus goes on to speak about of his yoke of learning. Okay, there is a yoke. And his burden, the rest in mind is the rest that enables a worker to go back to the task with renewed vigor. Amen? Amen? So we, we know that this rest is so that we can get back in the fight. <laughs> okay? Get back to work. Hallelujah. William McDonald adds, notice that the rest here is a gift. Now this is important. I, I want to spend a bit of time in this because I think I raced through this last time. He says again, notice the rest here is a gift. It is unearned and unmerited. Now that is so important that we get that. It is unearned. It's not something that you earned. And it's not something that you need to earn. Do you understand? See, this is the, this is the devil's play. This is what the devil always does. He comes and says, you have to earn this. You have to do good. You have to do all of these things to make God happy. Can I just say this? Jesus Christ made God happy on our behalf forever. Amen. Right. The cross did it. Right. In fact, let's, let's just keep going because I'm getting ahead now. All right. So he says it is unearned and unmerited. It is, among other things, the rest of conscience. Oh, I love that. The rest of conscience. You know, when we're carrying things around, when we feel bad, and we feel like, oh, Lord, what did I do? Or, you know, we all make mistakes. If you have a halo, please put it aside right now. Okay. <laughs> okay, we know better, all right? We all make mistakes. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We all sinned. All, that's Romans 3.23. Amen? And so 6.23 is even worse when it says the penalty of sin is death, okay? But, you know, and that's really the road everybody's headed on. And that's, the, that's what Jesus saved us from, that path that leads to death. Amen? And so... I really love this, that he says, notice the rest here is a gift. It is unearned and unmerited. It is, among other things, the rest of conscience that follows the realization, and this is a realization you need to have, okay? The realization that the penalty of one's sins has been paid for or paid once and for all, and that God will not demand payment twice. Oh, there's a, there's a revelation in there. I need you to get that right now, Okay? God is not going to ask for payment twice, which means when Jesus Christ paid for your sins at the cross, he's not going to come to you. This is what the devil plays on. You, if you don't know this, then he'll, he'll work this. He'll say, now, nah, yeah, it's, it's good and all what Jesus did. You know? That got you saved. But now, <laughs> okay, you need to keep working, dude. If you want to keep this, you just got to keep working at it. Otherwise, you might lose it. And, you know, and then he just works on this salvation by works thing. And suddenly you're starting to work for all the wrong reasons. And he's saying you have to make God happy. And I want you to notice, God will not demand payment twice. See, that's what we're going to find out when Jesus says, when he says, learn of me, he's saying, learn that salvation is by faith. 
your whole life in Christ is by faith. You receive his righteousness by faith. Not that, you know, you deserve anything. It's by faith you receive it. Amen? Every time you confess your sins, see, that's what 1 John 1, 9 is. It's fine. 1 John 1, 9 is all about. I love 1 John 1, 9, and I pray that everybody writes it all over the place. No, seriously, you know, it is your get out of jail, you know, free card or whatever you call that thing. Okay? It doesn't allow the devil any access to you. Even if he tricks you, remember, always remember this. The tempter is also the accuser. In other words, he'll tell you nobody will see. It's okay, whatever. And then as soon as you do something wrong, oh, you should have known better. You know, he slaps you on both ends. You know, on one hand, yeah, yeah, do it, do it. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. You know, isn't it funny? And then we, the, I need you to recognize that the same thing that drew you to that is the same thing that's condemning you, and neither one of it is God. God will not demand payment twice. So when you ask for forgiveness, don't let the devil hold that over you. For the rest of your life. I know feelings get in the way and stuff, but we walk by faith, not by feelings. That's right. <laughs> Amen. And sometimes you just got to let that thing go, man. And I know it's hard, but you know what? If you spend time with God, there's a peace and a joy that comes with that. That says it's all under the blood. It's erased. And whatever burden you've been carrying, whatever weight you've been carrying. Remember he said, all those who are heavy laden. Okay. Every burden that you're carrying it's all under the blood. So that's really what I want you to get through all of this. And we're going to show you some of the things that you need to do. Hallelujah. And what is rest without peace? You know, you can't just have rest and not have peace. Can I get an amen on that? Okay. Uh, that's for all those who are caught in the rat race of life. Jesus offers a peace that accompanies this rest that goes far beyond what we can imagine. With the Apostle Paul saying in Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. I really love that. It transcends understanding. It transcends logic. Amen. Doesn't make any sense. It's just there. Okay? Because see, all, the, all them fellows with their legs folded and everything and, you know, trying to get their peace. Okay? Hey, hey, I used to do that too. Anyway, okay. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. Okay? I'm just saying that this peace isn't that peace. You can have that peace, but there's another peace. There's a peace that comes in the middle of battle. Ha, 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 that gets you centered and gets you thinking right and allows you to be your best when things are the worst. Amen? That's the one you want. All right, so, hallelujah. And he says again that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. So moving on, thirdly, as wonderful as all of this is, from a literal perspective, now I know I didn't do this with you guys, William Hendrickson says that the reference is made to all those who are oppressed by the heavy load of rules and regulations placed upon their shoulders by the scribes and Pharisees. So this is in a more literal sense what Jesus was talking about, but I want to bring it to today, all right? Just give me a minute. And the rules that they themselves couldn't keep. So these are rules that the, 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 the scribes and Pharisees put on people 
They told them to do it, but they wouldn't do anything to help. In Acts chapter 15 and verse 10, it says, therefore, this is Peter talking. He says, therefore, why do you, religious leaders, okay, test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our father nor we were able to bear? He goes, what are you dumb? What are you stupid? Why do you do, do stuff like that? But you know what? The devil does stuff like that. That's what he, is, but that's what he does. He'll try to put stuff on you that God never put on you. And what's sad is he does it in the name of God. Remember, these were religious leaders. That's why you really need to be careful who you listen to, family. Now, you know, now what's happened is it's kind of gone the other way as well. Where they, they're saying, don't worry about anything, so to speak. You can sin as much as you want. And God just lets you in regardless. And yada, yada, yada. Can, can I just say this? Why? Why do you want to live like that? Do you know the Bible says whatever you sow, you reap? You'll get to heaven, but Jesus will be a bumpy ride. You know what I'm trying to say? (laughs) I'm just saying that, okay? (laughs) Just like, you want to go that way? Okay. I'm the one in there praying for most of them. But anyway, not anybody here, okay? But, you know, this is what happened. I mean, that's what we're here to do anyway. We're here to pray for people. But the whole thing is, why, man? Why do you want to do that to yourself? Amen? You know, I just, I see it. It's amazing. How I just see how there are people that at the, at the same time, somebody is going through something. I'm talking to Christians now, okay? That's going through something really difficult at the same time, and, and not anybody that here, okay? This is, I'm not making reference to anybody that comes to full life. So if you're watching, it's not you, okay? All right, this is not any, okay, this is outside of full life, you know? But... I just see, you know, people that are, are struggling and having difficulty, so to speak. And we all have struggles. I get that, okay? But, but like, you think you've got problems. <laughs> you know, to see some people out there, okay? And it's just so bad. And at the same time, somebody's being blessed by God. Because what they've sown, they're reaping. You know? And I, I've heard so many people go, oh, the devil's just attacking this week. Uh... What, what door did you open? And if it, you didn't open a door, then rebuke the thing. Exactly. Remember Jesus in the storm. He didn't go, oh, dear God, what did I do wrong? <laughs> he got up, rebuked the wind, and then told the disciples off a little bit as well. You know, Because he said, why didn't you do something about this, basically? All right? But the whole thing was, if you're in a storm, and you, you know, again, 1 John 1.9 right. takes you from Jonah to Jesus. That's you all know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> Remember Jonah was running from the will of God and he was doing everything wrong. And I mean, these, these guys on the ship and it was about to sink. And Jonah said, I'm the one. I'm causing all these problems. And those guys, you know, to their credit, said, no, 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 let's try everything else. At the end, they tossed him overboard because that's all that worked. And then it, everything, every, there was a great calm. Okay, but you don't get, need to get to tossed overboard. You don't need to get tossed overboard. All right, listen to me. If you 1 John 1 9, you go from being Jonah to Jesus in the storm. And as Jesus, you can say, Peace be still and shut the thing down. Isn't it sad that Jonah had that power to shut that storm down had he repented? Something to think about. All right, back to this. You know, no more one, night, one more night with the frogs, you know. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so, 
So this is a part of the burden we carry that is put on us by others in the name of God. Now, I really need to bring this out because this is a part of the burden that so many Christians today are carrying because people have ministered things to them. You know, we look back at the scribes and Pharisees and go, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. But today, there are still people that do this. And we, we need to be careful. You know, it's a ditch on both sides, isn't it? There's a ditch of whatever, you know, <laughs> anything goes. And then the ditch of you better not do anything wrong. Hello. Nobody is perfect. First John 1 John 1.9, I really love that the Apostle John says, if we, we included himself, this is a guy nobody could kill. Do you know why? Yes, brother, because he was perfect. And when you look at the drawings, you can see the little circle over his head. No, it's none of that stuff. You can't see the circles, okay? Listen, man, the reason was he had a revelation in which he wrote down, and thank God he wrote it down. Every time he messed up, he confessed it. Straight away, shut the door to the devil. Amen. You know, when you look at some of the... Hesitant to say this, but anyway, when you look, look at... You know, some of the apostles and, and so on and so forth. You, you can actually see some, you know, things in their life that, you know, we all need to deal with certain things. You know, and sometimes we kind of think we're, we get a martyr complex. We, we, I don't know whether you call it, that's what you call it. You know, we, we want to die for the Lord. I want you to live for the Lord. You know, stop trying to die all the time. <laughs> it's just like, man, you do more when you're alive. Have you noticed? Amen. I don't know if you figured that one out or not, but you know, you, when you're dead, you're done. See you later. Bye. You left the track. You're not in there anymore. Oh, but people remember. Yeah, but you had a lot more to do. So all that you were meant to do now will not get done. Amen. You know, it's harder to live. Amen. Fight through and say, no, devil, you will not take me out. I will run my race. I will obtain my prize. I'll finish the job that God gave me. Amen. End of story. Amen. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> I've said here again, this is a part of the burden that we carry that is put on us by others in the name of God that God himself wants us to be free from. In fact, Jesus addresses this problem in Matthew chapter 23. So let's go there. Verses 1 through 4. Matthew chapter 23. Verse 1, then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples. Verse 2, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. What do I want to bring out from all of this? I want you to notice that this is how religious leaders come across. This is what they do. Beware. Okay, because God came to release you from this. So that, and release you not to do, not to sin and not to, you know, whatever. Release you to do what he called you to. And so that nothing gets in the way of your destiny. Do you know your destiny blesses everyone around you? You know, we talked about the fact that fruit isn't for the tree. Okay, you bear fruit for others. You know, and you might say, well, what about peace and joy? Yeah, everybody else gets the taste of that. Because when you're upset and grumpy, we don't want to be around you. This is a bad tree. <laughs> Amen, you know? You know, when he talks about, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is, love. All the things that follow are sections of love, joy and peace and all of that. When you read it in the original, that's what it says. Christians have got it wrong for decades. 
All right, there's one fruit, it's love. And out of all of that comes the things that come, joy and peace and long-suffering. And all of that comes from love. If you went to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I believe verses 4 through 7, somewhere in there, you'll find a lot of the same qualities. When it says love is patient, love is kind, and it talks about love is all of these things. It's because that's what love is and the fruit. See, that's why when it says that they, you know, um, love never fails, Galatians says against such things there is no law, it's love. There is no law against love. Like that Jesus said, because remember the lawyer tempting him? said, which is the best commandments? He said, love God, love your neighbor. You do those two things and you cover everything. Because when you do that, you, you will not rob from them. You won't lie to them. You won't do any of those things. If you love him. Amen? So if you, if you walk in love, you are walking in that fruit. You, you will produce that fruit. And aren't we meant to be that? Love. Jesus said love. Okay? All right. So that's a little side trip. Back to this. So I've said here again, where did I, what, what was I saying? Uh, <laughs> Jesus addresses, and so he says again, so again, let me read this. He says in verse 2, saying, the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Now that's an indication that that's where they preach from. Okay? Moses' seat represents kind of like... Uh, the pulpit, the, the, the place where they will give the word from. Okay? All right. And he says, therefore, that's why he says in verse 3, therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. So, you know, because they're preaching from the word. So they're saying, if, whatever they're telling you to do, you do what they tell you to do. But, <laughs> watch this, but do not do according to their works. Don't go follow them around and then be the way they are. Because, watch, he says, for they say and do not do. The New Living Translation puts it this way. They don't practice what they preach. <laughs> okay? They say one thing over here, but... <laughs> I won't even go into the stuff that they did. Uh-huh. All right. Some days, some things are best not said. Verse 4, it says, For they bind heavy burdens. Watch, watch now. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's and women's shoulders, but they themselves will not move, uh, will not move them with one of their fingers. Another way of saying it is that they don't lift a finger to help. We know that one, right? So they, they put these burdens on people and do nothing to help him. Let me just say, if we were dealing with a situation in your life, okay, and let's say there's something that you need to adjust in your life, something that you need to correct in your life, okay, one of the things that we'll do, we'll never say, well, go, go fix it. One of the things that we will do is say, can we pray with you? Can we hold you up in prayer while you're dealing with this? Because we understand that you have an enemy that has been set against you, the enemy of your soul, and he's out to take you out. And so whenever you try to make a change, he will attack it because he's losing ground. Do you understand? And so that's why we need to pray and keep you in prayer so that whatever is attacking you, we get that thing off your back. Are you all here? That's us lifting a finger to help. That's us doing something, helping you get to where you need to get to. Not just looking at, looking at you, pointing our finger at you, judging you, and saying, you know, that's bad, fix it, don't do that again. How's that going to help? 
Are you all with me? So that's, that's what this is about. That's what they used to do. I mean, the things they used to ask some people were ridiculous. Okay, I, I won't go into any details because that would take a long time. But they used to ask people to do some ridiculous things. And, you know, you are, and they don't do any because it's ridiculous. <laughs> you all with me? Amen. All right, so let's keep going here. But not only do they receive, oh, excuse me, do you receive rest when you come to Christ? And receive him, receive him as Lord and make him Lord over your affairs. And that's what you need to do. This is the first part. Okay, we're going to the second part now. The next verse tells us that you need to learn from him in order to continue in that rest and stop the enemy from lying to you. With Jesus saying now in Matthew chapter 11 verse 29, which happens to be in direct opposition to, as I said to you before, the unreasonable, burdensome, and oppressive religious yoke. All right? That the religious leaders were putting on the people. Uh, again, in the name of God. And he says here now, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So I want you to notice the first thing he says is, all those that are heavy laden and you know, carrying all these burdens, he says, come to me, I'll give you rest. But then, see, that's the first step you take, all right, when you come to the Lord. But watch now, he's, when you continue with the Lord, this is what you need to do. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Do you know why? Because you need to unlearn some things. You need to get rid of some of those things that have been holding you down. You need to get rid of some bad doctrine. You need to get rid of all the things that people have said that you need to be doing and should be doing that God never said. Amen? So that's why he says, you need to learn. He says, take my yoke upon, uh, take, uh, my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I, and now watch this, he says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. We'll look at all of this in some detail, but I want you to notice, as opposed to those harsh religious leaders, that all they could do is spit out all these rules and laws that they didn't even keep, Jesus says, this is different. Now, you're, you're going to see something tremendous in this. As well, I don't have time today. Okay, <laughs> Next week, we'll continue, all right? But I, I need you to get some of these things. I don't want to rush through this because this is something that you need to receive. You need to know what to stay away from as much as you know you need to know what to receive and what to do. Are you all here? Amen? Because I, I don't want to tell you the things to do, and then you, know, you allow other things in your life that ruin it all. So that's why I spend so much time letting you know, don't let this come in and wreck it. Okay? And once you know that, then we can go talk about these things. So let's go on to this in the few minutes that I have left. <clears throat> First, you understand what a yoke actually is, and this is going to bless you. William Hendrickson explains that a yoke, literally a wooden frame, was placed on a person's shoulder in order to make a load or burden easier to carry by distributing its weight in equal portions to opposite sides of the body. But what's interesting about the type of yoke that Jesus talks about in Matthew 20, uh, 11, 29, is that it, act it, it is actually a neck harness for two. Right? Not like, the f not like that forced upon the people by the religious leaders, which is just one. All right? Therefore, the yoke, that is already easy, according to the next verse, is actually shared as well. So he says, take my yoke upon you because I'm taking half the weight. I'm taking the burden. And you know, it's, to me, I, <laughs> I always have this picture. Oh, and, and sorry, but this is how my mind works. Okay, I have this picture of, you know, you've got two of them, all right? And you're, you're dragging a cart or a weight behind you. You know, and have you ever seen where one of them is like quite short? 
and you know, and put the yoke on him, like say Ev and somebody little, and you know, put the yoke on them, and you know, you stand up, and the other guy's feet are off the floor. And, you know, <laughs> the strong one's taking all the weight and carrying this guy and the weight. And I always, <laughs> I don't know, but I see that with Jesus. I always see that whenever he puts a yoke on us, you know, we get lifted off the floor when he stands up because, you know, he's the Lord. And, you know, he starts walking and he's carrying us and the weight. That's how I see it. But anyway, okay, that's not what this is saying exactly. But so much of the time, I believe that's what the Lord does. I think sometimes he says, just, you know, Dude, lift your legs up. Just don't worry about it. Just dangle for a minute. I'll take the weight. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, I pray that this is blessing you because I really need you to see what Jesus is saying in all of this. Because as you begin to understand, then I pray that you will allow him to take that weight. That you will do the thing he said, first of all, come to me. Come to me. Amen? Because I'm the one that can give you rest and then show you how to remain in that rest for the rest of your life. Hallelujah. All right. <clears throat> Continuing on. William Hendrickson explains that in Jewish, li Jewish literature, don't try to remember all this, okay? I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll do it next week. All right. In Jewish literature, a yoke represents the sum total of obligations, which according to the teaching of the rabbis, not God, okay? All right a person must take upon himself. And because of their misinterpretation, alteration, and augmentation of God's holy law, the yoke which Israel's teachers placed upon the shoulders of the people was that of a totally unwarranted legalism. <laughs> Did you get all of that? Okay. It was the system of teaching that stressed, wait for it, Salvation by means of strict observance to a host of rules and regulations. Did you get that? This is what Jesus is talking about now, literally, okay? Now here in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Jesus places his own teaching over against that to which the people had become accustomed. Are you getting this now? He's saying, I know you're accustomed to this. I know this is what you've been told, but I'm telling you something else. In fact, the whole Sermon on the Mount is you have heard that it has been said, but I say to you. Over and over and over again, you see, but. He says, you've heard this, but I'm telling you something else. Are you all with me? Okay. All right. When he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me or become my disciples, he means, accept my teaching, namely, that a person is saved by means of simple trust in me. Oh, hallelujah. Pray that you're getting this. Amen. In other words, firstly, while many of the religious leaders were teaching the doctrine of salvation by works, the belief that you can buy your way to heaven. People are still doing that today, by the way, getting rich off of it. Jesus taught salvation through faith in him. And that's why the Apostle Paul wrote, and we'll finish with this scripture, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Now you'll understand why he wrote this. He said, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. Amen? Are you getting this now? This is what it's all about. See, they used to go around boasting, oh, I'm better than this person, and I, I didn't do that, and I didn't do that. And it's a judgmental thing. It's their own righteousness, which God said are filthy rags before me. Amen? He wants us to have his righteousness, which is perfect. Hallelujah. If we confess our sins... 
He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which allows us to stand perfectly righteous before God. And another way of saying that is sinless before God. Amen? We'll pick this up next week. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we thank you, Father. We understand what to stay away from. We understand, Father, that we will not allow anything into our hearts and our minds that will cause us to lose our joy, to lose our connection with you, to take our eyes off of you and not come to you. When you said, come to me, Hallelujah, that you are the one that will give us rest. And I pray for each and every individual today, Father. I thank you that wherever they are in their walk with you, that they find you, that they go to you, that they receive your rest, and they learn how to live in that rest all the days of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.